Welcome to episode two of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage, and I'm a wedding photographer myself. Today I'm delighted to bring you Ross Harvey, one of my all-time favourite wedding photographers, Nikon ambassador, and a bit of a master of the mind too. Stick with us as Ross will be talking about lots of things, including how a special Christmas gift changed his life, what being successful actually means to him, how to become a better documentary wedding photographer, shooting for other wedding photographers, the power of visualisation and how to become more confident, and much more. Hey Ross, how you doing? Well good, thanks, how are you? I am good, very good, very good. Yeah, how's, um, how's things? It's been a while since I've seen you, it's been it was last year, wasn't it, I think? It was last year, yeah. It was, it's been a good year, thank you. Shot some nice weddings, said um, shot a bit less this year on purpose, so it's been nice and relaxed. Ah, good stuff, good stuff. You got many to edit at the moment, or is that all right? Three on the pile, then I'm done. Oh, that's not bad, is it? And then you can relax, and then we have nine dots to, to try and win our table tennis again. Yeah, well, hopefully we can fix it against you on the same team, <laughs> which we didn't do. We really didn't do, did they? They really thought we fixed it, and we did not fix it, people. We didn't. No, it's oh. completely, completely natural. <laughs> cool Ross so thanks thanks so much for your time and coming on here it's, it's really fab to have you on, on this um your dad gave you a special Christmas gift with the note follow your dreams um can you tell us about that oh yeah that's a pivotal moment in my life that was I, I owe him my career basically and happiness man big deal yeah well me and my dad always got on well and um I used to be a hardcore gamer playing Quake 1, 2, 3 and Counter-Strike Source Okay, cool. So we used to sit in the same study. He was working, I was playing games. Um, and he used to watch me sort of researching camera equipment. And he did actually see me looking at the D700 and posting about it on forums and stuff. So he just got it for me as a surprise at Christmas. Yeah, with, but not just the camera. He brought that out by itself with the label Folly of Dreams. But when he went upstairs again on Christmas Day, he came down with three more gifts, which was the 2470 85 mm 1.4D, also known as the cream machine. <laughs> and uh the 7200 man that that is that is an awesome christmas gift though isn't it it was the most sort of generous thoughtful present i've ever had and i haven't got children but if i did i would just completely support them with their passions because you never know what can happen it's so true yeah and what, what was your childhood like in general happy were you did you like school good at it yeah I was, I was just an average kid really i mean i used to have long hair as a child so i was the only one at school with long hair because my mum was a rocker so i got bullied a lot actually oh, oh really what, what yeah. proper long hair like shoulder length yeah yeah damn straight oh man i'm so jealous of that i that would take me about 30 years to grow i'm hair. jealous of it now because my hair's a bit thinner so i'd love that hair now <laughs> <laughs> but you got you got bullied then really yeah just a bit nothing serious nothing physical but you know children can be tough and um when you're a child you don't really understand how the you know psychology basically unless you're some sort of genius prodigy so you're easily offended and upset um yeah. But it taught me it taught me a very valuable lesson. It taught me how to never treat anybody. So I'm actually pleased about it because it made me a better person. Man, yeah, that's that is a big deal though. Um, and and at school, did you did you always dream of of being a wedding photographer? Can't imagine that was the case. What did what did you want to be back then? Oh, hell no, I wanted to travel around in a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> you do that now, don't you? Isn't that how you get between weddings? I don't tell anyone, Alan. That's my secret. <laughs> yeah. No. What what did you want to do? To be honest, I had no idea. At school, I just, I've always been artistic, so I used to draw all the time. But I used to draw like Marvel characters, my own superheroes and stuff. I've always been a bit of a sci-fi geek. Um, 
And when I went to uni, I did a master in advanced computer, advanced computer science because I followed my father's footsteps because he was a very good programmer. Okay, cool. And when I was at uni, I taught myself graphic design and left uni and did like a programming sort of UI website design that moved towards graphic design, usability consultancy and brand design. And when I was doing that, I taught myself photography and then I ended up doing that. So all my income has been from self-taught stuff, ironically. What, just kind of looking on the internet and getting books and things or? Books, the internet, not so much books nowadays, but um, it was the internet and just practice. I just, because I loved it, I devoted every waking moment to it. Like when I was a programmer and a graphic designer and I just found out about photography and discovered I loved it. I didn't stop. I was just shooting and shooting and practicing and reading. I mean, when I get into something, I'm I'm 100 miles an hour. I think that's a really good way to be, isn't it? You've just got to put your all into everything. And I, I guess it's fair to say it's worked out well for you. You've won um, Best Photographer in England two years running at TWA, which is amazing. I mean, you've won loads of other awards as well. But, but that one specifically, did winning that award have a, a noticeable impact on your career? You know, did, did couples book you specifically because of, of that? I think it helped more so with my confidence because I didn't shoot any differently. But to have that sort of recognition was very helpful for me at the time. And it mainly helped with planners because couples were, if you're a really nice guy or girl and a photographer and you're shooting for your couples and they, they love you, they're going to recommend you anyway, regardless if you're awards or not. Or not. Mm. But it's sometimes it's helpful with planners and stuff like they go, oh, they might check the website of T-Work if, if they entered. So you might find a planner will recommend you just because you won that. That happened a little bit to me. And when you get in touch with planners who are like non-UK or abroad, those credentials can help. A bit. I mean, it's all about your portfolio and your personality, 100%. But these things just give them a little mental tick box that you're actually a safe person, if that makes sense. Are you safe though, Ross? Are you safe? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you um, get on working with planners in general? Do you, do you enjoy weddings that have planners? Are, are, are most of your weddings now um, involved with planners? All of them, yeah. Wow, um, really all? Yeah, I'm used to it now. To be perfectly honest, I've been very lucky. I tend to shoot with really nice people, albeit planners and couples. So um, the myth that shooting planned weddings of high-end stuff is tough is not true, really. I mean, it's very challenging. I don't think some people realize that when you shoot these high-end weddings with high-end planners and people who expect the best of everything, they wear like the craziest clothes and jewelry, there's a lot of pressure for you to deliver. So it's not just a thing of going out and shooting this beautiful scene in front of you. Sometimes you have to work very hard to make it look good. And it is, as you, as you picked up on there, though, as well, a lot, a lot of wedding photographers, they're kind of scared of raising their prices because they think their kind of client base are going to really, really change and be perhaps a bit more, I don't know, a bit more difficult as they go up in price bands. Have you not found that to be the case? Absolutely, 100% not. In fact, I'm having the most fun of my life at the moment with the weddings I shoot because, A, I get to go to some beautiful places for free. <laughs> in fact, you get paid for it. And B... <laughs> I shoot a lot for Americans nowadays, and they're just generally super laid back. They have a free bar, so everyone gets smashed in the evening, and I have a few drinks with them. So it's just one great big celebration and party at the end. I mean, That's I think cool. as a wedding photographer, it's one of the best jobs you could possibly have ever. I think we're so lucky. We are so lucky, aren't we? But what would you do if we weren't this lucky, if you weren't a wedding photographer? What do you think you would be doing now? I'd be doing design stuff because I still love it. I'd be working um, with doing brands and probably still websites. See that, I bet that, that's coming really handy for your, yeah, your own career, your website, that kind of graphic design knowledge. Do you design all your kind of like website stuff and, and logo and thing? 
Yes, yeah, I did it all myself. And I'm currently working on a new website because my current one is so old and it's got such old content on. I've got like two, three years of awesome stuff to put on there. So I hopefully by December, I'll have launched a new website with all new content. Oh, that's cool. Just a little plug there. Yeah, no, you've got to do it, man. You've got to plug away, plug away. Okay, I'm going to slightly change track to say, uh, well, ask, what is your favorite or the very best Netflix or other streaming service, we're not sponsored by Netflix, um, TV series ever that you've seen? It's got to be Breaking Bad, but with a second second place very close with um, The Boys, which is that dark superhero series oh i've not seen that is that oh you have to watch it's absolutely brilliant yeah if you if you like sci-fi and you've got dark humor and you don't mind a bit of grittiness it's just absolutely brilliant but on a sort of a side note peaky blinders i don't really enjoy it as much but people should watch that just for the cinematography and the lighting because my goodness i'm watching it with holly at the moment and it's just it's done so well Oh, cool. Yeah, I like Peaky Blinders. Uh, I'm I'm from the Midlands as well, actually. So it's like watching home with a lot more kind of smoke and fire and uh, murder. But I love Dark, by the way. If you like sci-fi, have you seen Dark on Netflix? Do you know what? I watched the first two episodes, but then the season went crazy and I haven't finished. But like Ray, you were telling me, I have to watch it. Apparently it's brilliant. It is. Honestly, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. It is amazing. Okay, that's um, my next watch. Definitely Thanks. do it. And watch it with subtitles as well, as well not, not dubbed. That's what Rosie said. It's... um. It detracts from it if it's dubs, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. And it's good. It's good to, to practice a bit of German as well. Um, okay, let's get attack. Slight change, attack again. What does it mean to be successful to you? Oh, that's the question. Um, this is going to sound like a cliche, but to me, it's just being happy. Um, Honestly, man, but that's that's the biggest thing in life. It is. It is. If you, if you're happy, you you're, you have a good life. It's that simple. I don't think. You should be taught that at school, really, rather than rather than everything being educational in terms of intelligence. You should be taught emotional intelligence and how to deal with stress, how to find happiness and how to set your own personal bound, boundaries and stuff. It's so important, yet no one really knows anything about it. Well, yeah, I guess so. But yeah, what what makes you particularly happy? What is what is it and things in life that makes Ross Harvey happy? Well, apart from gin and tonic, <laughs> it's um, a... <laughs> creative fulfillment i like to be able to express myself creatively and it doesn't really matter if people give me feedback anymore or not it's great with photography but my other passion and hobby is making music and i haven't shared anything with that yet but i just love doing it because it just makes me happy to be in a creative zone oh wow cool what kind of music electronic stuff it's um it's a bit complicated actually it's not a typical sort of edm type thing it's i'm trying to make an album or an ep which is story based and it's about a dystopian sci-fi future some guy escaping like a an oppressive culture and breaking his way out and being chased and stuff so there's a whole story about it but wow. i'm about halfway through but i just love the process man that sounds awesome and so um is that is it going to have vocals as well or is it all just purely electronic yeah. or? Yes, with vocals, vocals. Well. yeah my own vocals believe it or not oh wow man that's awesome that's really exciting <laughs> yeah funnily enough um i've got a bit of a sort of a like a low soft or cornwall tint to my voice accent but when I'm singing, I sound more American, which is a bit bizarre. <laughs> oh, wow. So when can we expect to um, have a little teaser of that then? All being well, mid Q1 of next year, I think I'll be able to release something. Oh, man, that's really exciting. I think that's so cool to kind of challenge yourself and do different things like that as well. Yeah, it's insane how difficult creating music is and the engineering side of it, not just being able to produce well, but looking at EQ and compression and the nuances of that that it makes photography look very easy in comparison 
Right, yeah. I mean, I had a little bit of experience of that. And my past life, I used to record songs for people as gifts. That was my past business. So I used to do it's all really cool. recording. And... But yeah, exciting, man. That's cool. Um, so you've shot a lot of fellow wedding photographers' weddings. Um, do you enjoy that? Do you feel extra pressure when you're shooting for another wedding photographer? No, not at all. I, I don't feel pressure at all when I'm shooting. I'm confident with who I am and what I'm going to deliver to people. So I actually love shooting for photographers because they just give you complete creative freedom. They're like, where do you want the first dance to be? What's, where's the best light? Where's the best background? Just choose it. Choose where you want to put us and we'll do it. And I, oh, that's cool. I thrive in that situation. So wedding photographers are like the perfect client. Yes, although they all think <laughs> I'm too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are gone now. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned nerves there, actually. Um, that you de- um, I did a podcast interview with Adam Johnson a couple of days ago, and he mentioned you in it, actually, and he said how he spoke to you about nerves and that you don't really get nervous, um, which is amazing, I think. Do, you know, I, I think a lot of wedding photographers do suffer from nerves. So do you have any kind of advice and tips about, about that at all? This is what I teach in workshops and one-to-ones and stuff. But obviously, I do get hit with um, adrenaline and excitement or nervousness. But it's just a—it's an energy, isn't it? You can either make it fear or you can make it excitement. You just change that energy to be one of the two. And of course, I'm not some sort of Buddha that floats around. I have my own fears and issues, and I might get hit with a little in, instant burst of "Oh, this is going to be tricky." But I don't generate that I don't perpetuate that as fear and my lack of ability I just turn it into I can do this so I have the skills to do this I can get on with it so you have to be very confident in the way you speak to yourself like your inner voice most people don't realize is a reflection of your belief system it's a massive massive thing to know because it just reflects back to you how you think so if you listen to your inner voice you can hear the sides that are saying you can do things and you can hear the side of you that says you can't do things and listen specifically to the bits that hold you back and then can, you can delve a lot deeper into how to do that. I mean, it'd take, diff, it'd take like a two-hour podcast to, to break that <laughs> yeah. down. But it just helps you analyze your, yourself. And that links back to the happiness thing. Because once you start doing that, you're a lot happier. Man, and it, when is, you're happy, you're creative. Is it, is it, it sounds really difficult to do that. I mean, have you, is it, have you always been able to kind of do that then? Were you kind of never nervous even when you shot like your first wedding? I mean, I've always been a relaxed person. I think that did bleed through into my professional life. But everyone gets nervous it's just what you do with the energy you can turn it into something else like stage fright is getting that initial say you're going to go and do a talk in front of 200 people you're just behind the curtain i get nervous it's like ah i've got to perform now but stage fright if someone gets it is taking that energy and saying this is going to be hard i can't do it i don't think i can do it i can't do it i can't do it and you push yourself into a big hole and you literally the fear takes you over so much you physically can't go on stage that's what stage fright is but or you can take that energy and say I've prepared for this. People want to hear what I've got to say. I'm going to do my best to teach people something or at least open their eyes to something or so they leave wanting to try something or feeling better about themselves. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do it. You can change the energy into something else and it's your choice to do that. Everything is a choice in your life, positive or negative. Every single moment of your life and every single decision you get to choose. And of course, if you have depression, which both my sister and my mother have had, it's much, much more difficult. And that's a psychological issue that needs different treatment but if you're not clinically depressed and you just are prone to being negative it's actually easier than you think it's just repetition because the brain is a the analogy i like to use is a field full of reeds if you wear a path through that field like a clear dusty walkway your brain will fire down that path easily because it knows where to go 
And if you've been negative, you've just got, basically got a path like that in your brain, in your neurological network. And to think of something positive, which is different, you have to sort of jungle mode, get your machete out and start cutting through the reeds to make a new path. And the brain finds that a bit more difficult because it wants to go down the path that it can see. So it's just a point of being very, very repetitive and being like a sentinel of your own thoughts and going, ah, I've got you negative thought. This time I'm going to think positively. And the more you do it, the more that path gets cut and worn until it becomes a habit. And that's the secret to developing new habits is just literally persistence. And that's the thing that most people fail on because they think if they fail in the first week, they fail. But it takes months. Well, I've been doing it for years. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good to, hear, to find out that it's something that people can train themselves to do, though. So do you, you think it's within everyone's reach to be able to do that with, with practice and dedication? 100 percent. We're all equal. We're, we're all very, very capable beings. It's just persistence i need to try it i do need to try it because i still get nervous about things and yeah i mean you're you're always kind of known as this i think within our industry you know really kind of happy and positive person so it's obviously it really really works for you does does anything get ross harvey down um yeah the fact that i fail being a vegetarian all the time is it mcdonald's drew you in was it mcdonald's drew you back I love your McDonald's posts, Alan. They make me <laughs> bizarrely happy whenever I see one of those. <laughs> I know the world is right and things are just continuing when I see an Alan Law McDonald's post in the evening. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, what it's did... actually a um, bacon sandwich on a barbecue. My neighbours smelt the bacon on a barbecue and I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to have one of those. And that's just been a year now since, oh. I, <laughs> since I had that. Bacon is the downfall. That's funny. Yeah, but I'm going to go veggie in 2020 again. Oh, are you, is for, for what reasons? Animal welfare. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a that's a very good reason to be vegetarian. A totally original question here. You're cast away on a desert island. What one album would you take with you? Oh, what a question. <laughs> one album. Man, you should have given me some warning on this because it's going to take me ten minutes to figure this out. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's 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 a big question, isn't it? If you're just there the whole time, you're going to listen to one one thing. I don't just know like, what I would choose. I'm just opening up um, Tidal just to get, so I can try and cheat and look at some albums. Because you know when someone <laughs> asks you a question, what's your favourite song? Your, your brain just goes dead, doesn't it? Basically? Yeah, that's true. It might be something by Dire Straits because that just reminds me of being a kid. Um, or it might be Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. That would be very, very high up in it. Um, Do you know, neither. I've, I've not listened to either. I need to listen to both of those. <laughs> And I actually really like Ladies and Gentlemen by George Michael. I think it's a cracking album because I'm not really a fan of the Wham stuff, but um, there's some beautiful songs that most people don't really know of, like what, Spinning the Wheel. Um, what's another one on that thing? The Strangest Thing. There's got some really beautiful songs in there that aren't really that poppy Wham kind of stuff that I'm not really a fan of. Okay. But probably Pink Floyd, to be honest. Okay, I will allow you to have Pink Floyd on your desert island. Thank totally you original. <laughs> Do you think about the future? I know not not being cast away on, on the islands, but the future in general, you know, whether you'll be sh still shooting weddings in, in 10 years time. Nope, not, not in the slightest. I just do what I'm passionate about. That's good, though, I think. I think that's really important. I think throughout throughout life, people are always saying, you know, you should always have this kind of plan five, 10 years ahead. But yeah, you don't you don't you don't see life like that. No, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I mean, obviously, I've, I've planned and I've saved finances and um, <laughs> I'm secure in, in what I'm doing. But I'll shoot weddings when I'm when I'm passionate about it. And that's one of the reasons I shoot less now, like prices up, volume down, because it keeps me loving it. 
I don't really want to burn out. And I've been doing it 10 years now and I've shot hundreds of weddings. And if I was still shooting, you know, 30 to 40 weddings in the same location for 10 years, I'd probably be getting a little bit bored, a bit of a plateau. So I push myself so hard because it just keeps me creative and it keeps me growing. It keeps things new for me. Totally get that. And yeah, 10 years is a long time to be shooting. I mean, what advice would you give for people who have been shooting a long time like that and who are maybe feeling, you know, not too happy with their careers or they feel it's a bit stale? Do you have any kind of tips for that? Get off Facebook and get off <laughs> Instagram, seriously, because it's just a killer. Um, I don't really use Facebook or, and I'm terrible for Instagram, as most people know, but I think social media is a big problem, especially for, for younger generations, because there's so much pressure to perform and put this up and get likes. And that completely detracts from why you shoot photography. Like you don't shoot photography to get likes from someone. You shoot it because you love it and other people are benefit, benefiting from it. And if you focus on just that, your career will be absolutely fine. It's when people start to second guess themselves and they start looking at all these other Facebook posts and stuff like that. And you tend to put yourself down too easily. It, it, it's so true isn't it it's like a cycle you you look on Facebook you see what kind of images are getting all the likes and then people replicate that and then everybody's creating the same kind of off-camera flash backlit portraits and it, it's just not about that that's exactly right that's and um that's one of the reasons I stopped entering awards years ago because I just got fed up with the same stuff being regurgitated and hats off to you for doing a photojournalistic one because it stops it's less of a fad based thing isn't it because you're not just doing the backlit back the OCF or the umbrella rain shop <laughs> that's true um, no yeah yeah but at the same time like I'm not I don't personally go into awards anymore because I found a rhythm that I'm happy with and I'm totally comfortable with what I do regardless of what other people think now but when I was in a plateau a few years ago entering an award system did really help me because it pushed me and I tried to beat things and that gave me a nice push at the time so I think that can also be very beneficial as long as it's to push yourself and not to actually to win and compare to other people definitely 100 percent agree do you do you not look at kind of any other wedding photographers work now have you have you never really done that or when i was super passionate learning mode i was looking at it all the time just reverse engineering all of my favorite shots and understanding why shots work the composition the focal length the emotion the layering all that stuff but now i don't look at wedding photography at all in fact it's one of the reasons i don't open my facebook page is because i've got like five thousand friends on Facebook and I probably know about in person a hundred of them yeah. <laughs> 200 and the wall is just full of the same pictures and I just can't look at it <laughs> <laughs> so I keep I keep myself away from it so when I do shoot a wedding for me it's fresh and I'm using my own ideas I'm using my own creativity and it just keeps me happy and you asked me a question about what does it mean, mean being happy I think also it's having time I think and I, I always say this but time is the most valuable currency it's more important than money. It's more important than likes because with time you can do things you want, like learn a bit more about photography or spend time with your kid or just spend time chilling. So I've built yeah. a life around me, which is very modest in the place that I mean, I've lived in the same house for 12 years. I could buy something much bigger and nicer, but I get on the neighbors have become best friends. We hook up in the summer and we chill out. I'm in a little semi-detached three bedroom house and um, we love it here. So we live well within our means and that gives me the ability to have so much time spare because I don't have really high outgoings. I haven't got myself in a massive mortgage or bought a massive car with a monthly fee. Um, you don't, don't buy equipment all the time? 
No, no, I'm still using D750s, and because I'm an ambassador for Nikon, you get some sort of handy perks. So I've yes, got some, that some of the good. new cameras to play. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, so, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that time front as well. And um, so say if you had 24 hours totally to yourself to do with whatever you wanted and, and money's no object, what would, what would you do? I'd make music. Yeah, on a beach. Yeah, that would be quite difficult then, wouldn't it, no? Well, maybe I could get some sort of soundproof studio that looked out across like a Bali or Hawaiian beach and I could just sit there making music and just pop out for the odd cocktail. Now, that would be damn amazing. That does sound a good 24 hours. Do you know what? I think one of my um, fondest memories of, of being with you actually is when at Snap when we were playing guitar around oh, the... I love uh, that. Yeah, and all singing. That was great, wasn't it? Oh, moments like that with what make life so beautiful. I actually got goosebumps thinking about that because that's, that's been a burned in my memory for years as well, Alan. The fact oh. you brought a, I'm so happy you brought a guitar and, you know, sitting around a campfire just singing together. That sort of stuff is so valuable to me. That was yeah. so cool. Just, um, can I just backtrack slightly because it's something important that of I course, didn't mention yeah. that you asked me. You said about imagining the future. Um, there is one thing that I did when I was starting out, which I, I think is actually very valuable. Um, now, I'm not going to go off on like a massive sort of spiritual or crazy tangent, but... You can if you want. Oh, no, I won't. That's not really <laughs> apropos at the moment. But you, you heard about Jim Carrey, right? He used to sit on top of the um, the hill on his at Hollywood or something. And he used to... This is before he was famous. And he just sat there at the top of the hill and said, I'm a well-famous actor. I'm a well-famous actor. I'm a well-famous actor. And I'm, I've earned a million dollars. And he wrote himself a check for a million dollars and put it in his wallet. Really? Then, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he kept looking at it every night and saying, thank you for this. I'm a, I'm a well-famous paid actor. I got a million dollars for this film. And um, yeah, literally a year later, he got his first job and he got a million dollars for it. And <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone because you've got to be, because <laughs> you have to put the work in. But I used to sit in my back porch when I was starting out in photography saying, not I'm the world's best. I said, I'm a world-class photographer. I'm a world-class photographer. And I was very grateful for it. So I did use visualization and intention as well as going through all the, the learning and the trying and the failing and the failing and the failing and the failing and the trying and the failing and the <laughs> trying because it takes effort. But I always said to myself and believed it as it was true, I am a world-class photographer. And so that set my standards really high. Now, whether you look into the law of attraction or spiritual stuff or energy and all that things, you don't believe it or not, doesn't matter because psychologically that sets a bar that will push you with just simple cbt and simple nlp stuff with the mind tricks you know simple um psychological tricks you will push harder because you believe you're that good um and i always looked at people like ronaldo and messi and anyone who was at the top of their craft because you know that they had a belief system that said they're going to be the best or they are the best and that makes them work a certain level and i did that for photography and um i do believe i'm a world-class photographer now because if, if i can shoot anything and be comfortable with it and I believe that's what makes you a very good photographer is being able to shoot anything well. I don't mean to brag or anything, but that's like a confidence that means that you're free, which means you can be creative and deal with all sorts of situations. Like, you know, if you get a dark church in the UK, it's fine. If you get a sunny beach, it's fine. If you need to use flash, it's fine. If you don't, it's fine. And I think if you aim for that, you, anyone becomes world class. Well, it's totally worked for you, man, as well, isn't it? I mean, that's and it's, it's, it's an exciting possibility and thought that that people can can do this can apply this to themselves and 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 it can obviously work anyone can do it it's literally just being a persistent mofo <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, to the point of being like kind of fake it until you make it that's what i did I've, if i wasn't confident i pretended i was and that's how you sort of burn that new 
pathway in and any single person in the world can achieve anything really i mean obviously there are certain limitations of things maybe physically or mentally but looking at an average of people any single one like that we see who is in your um this is reportage or who goes to nine dots any of those people who we know could easily become anything they wanted it's just literally mindset and application i think that's awesome man. i think it's a fantastic way to to view life as well and um yeah that anybody can can kind of do anything if they apply themselves to it and believe that they can so yeah that's awesome well that's what if you look at and you research people who have achieved anything they want whether it being like finance football sport um skills they all say the same thing they say i'm that average joe who just went for it and believed in it and look where i am that's like yeah. the common denominator between it all no uh, that's that's cool that is cool um Am I right in that you that you shoot the vast majority of your weddings solo? Does does that work better for you? Um... That was the case, but for this year, the weddings I've shot have been even more sort of high end, and I've had to have a shooter with me, at least one. <clears throat> uh, okay. And sometimes two, depending on the scale of the wedding. But I've I built my career shooting solo. Yeah. <clears throat> I do. I've, do you enjoy now working with others, or is it just I... more of a necessity because they're so big these weddings? It is a necessity, but at the same time, I do love the bit of banter you get working with someone and knowing that you work with someone you can trust and they're doing something so you can focus without having to think, ah, oh, I've got to get back for X, Y, Z. Right. Yeah, that's true. And with these very high end weddings, you know, you're in the real high end of the market. Now. I think that's fair to say. You know, and a lot of wedding photographers do aspire to this. You know, have you got any advice on how to get there and get these big weddings? Mine came about sort of through recommendations within planners after I got to a certain point. Um, you just have to be confident, really. You have to be able to cope with different situations because like, any, like anything, professionals and peers and colleagues, they like to work with people who make their lives easier. Like you and I would like to work with someone whose life made it, who made their lives easier, right? Everyone yeah. does. Yeah, definitely. So when you're working with people, just don't be a burden, you know. And being a burden might mean that you get negative about something or you, you're trying to force something there isn't really time to do or you're being taken along with the portraits. But I just make sure that it's effortless working with me, with whoever I'm working with. And so they can quite happily recommend me because they know it's going to be easy for them and they're going to get great pictures. So it's being confident with your skills and understanding that it's actually a team. Because when you work with planners at high end, you don't, get, you don't go there as the photographer who's going to do this and do that. I mean, you have that intention, but... You, you have to work within a team so it becomes like a big a big project that you have to plan and be prepared for I mean, there's a lot more planning involved especially in big weddings because you have to sort logistics of you sometimes need a golf cart to get from the ceremony we have to hire a car because the, the venue is so big you've got to drive from the prep on the same <laughs> bit of land to the ceremony <laughs> that's mad yeah it's crazy and i was on a horse and cart <laughs> this year trying to get from the ceremony to the um Sorry, trying to get from the preps to the ceremony on a the damn horse and cart. I mean, how bizarre is that? That is very different. That's such a cool thing, though, isn't it, as, as well? That our life's so varied as a wedding photographer. It's amazing. Yeah. And just as a little shout out to the people who moan about getting fed, please stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like with professionals, you should take your own food and be prepared for anything. That is so uh, true. And if you get fed as a bonus. But when, like, we're so lucky in to, to moan that you didn't get fed properly. It's like, 
when was the last time you fed a professional who came around to your house that you might give a, a you might biscuit. have a, a biscuit and a cup of tea yeah. to a builder you didn't give them a lunch you didn't say here you go it's a three-course meal <laughs> they didn't know they didn't get one that is so true you know throughout my career as well i've, I've always preferred having a pack loads because i hate the whole cap in hand thing going up to the caterers and i like please yeah, sir yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd still do that. I sort of go in there, flutter my eyebrows. Hello, <laughs> I'm a poor, hungry colleague and peer. And um, do you but... eat the canapes? Do you eat the canapes? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, because yeah. you can stop them and say, "I just need to take a picture of this." Then you just nick one straight away. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get lovely kind of waiters and waitresses who will come over to you, won't they? And ask. And sometimes they like kind of annoyed at you for taking one. Oh yeah, it, totally. That's so funny. I mean, I've seen that at every sort of price level, but that always makes me <laughs> laugh when they give you evils. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you had a time machine and if you thought that was possible with your kind of quantum physics knowledge and things, I don't know, but, you know, go past that bit. But if you did have a time machine, what time, past or future, would, would you like to travel to? Uh, if it was temporary, I'd like to go 100 years in the future or 1,000 years to see what the technology was because I want to be buzzing around in a spaceship. But I'd probably go back and watch the pyramids being built, just see how it's done once and for all. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, what would be your top tips to help someone become better at the documentary side of wedding photography specifically? Street photography and also just being a people watcher. Um, and always put emotional value above everything because the most valuable moments you can ever capture in a photograph are when there's the most emotional value or novelty and both for an absolute golden winner but and you mentioned the street photography there have you found that has had a big effect on your kind of work, uh, wedding work oh absolutely street photography is incredibly difficult it looks easy when you see it but the patience you need and the skills on the spot are incredible and the more i practice street photography the um the better i got at documentary and weddings and being creative i was meant to be in mexico shooting with the eight street but i had a, a damn abdominal hernia Oh no! Um, so I couldn't do it. But luckily, I was just laying in bed, and like my cat was on my lap. And you know, you do like a little crunch to lean forward, like you, you, the lower back's down and your shoulders go up. Uh -huh. I felt a ping, and that just went back into place. So I fixed it. <laughs> but I didn't get to go to Mexico. But uh, you know, I managed to. <laughs> you managed to heal yourself. Yeah, it's really weird. I did a little crunch, and I felt this internal pang, and I was like, "Oh, that could be really bad or really good." And I stood up, and it completely gone. So I was like, "Ah." Handy, <laughs> man. There, are, there are no boundaries to your kind of like yeah, skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I could fix anybody else's, and I wouldn't want to try it again. To be fair, I think I was a bit lucky. And back, back to that street photography. You've done obviously lots of your own workshops. Um, you know, I've been on your workshops, which was brilliant. Recommend anyone if, if Ross is doing more, definitely jump at the chance. <laughs> um, have you ever done led a, a street photography workshop? No, I haven't, but I will do that one day because I love it. Yeah, and I think people would love to go on that as well. Yeah. Um, do you get nervous? So I know we mentioned about nervous before. I don't, I'm not obsessed with nervous, but for, for when you teach as well, when you spoke at lots of different conferences, and I've, I've seen you talk at conferences at um, Snap and Nine Dots, and you're so confident. Do you, you, you don't even get nervous about talking on stage then? Um, I do, yes. That's what I mentioned when I used that example of stage fight before. I get hit with butterflies and excitement, but it's not really scared. It's, it's just you're just full of adrenaline like you, you're literally sometimes shaking because you just want to get up there and do it but at the same time you're thinking am I petrified or am I excited I can't really tell so I'm going to make it excited <laughs> <laughs> I've got to try that I'm going to try it I'm going to try it definitely yeah. the worst um, bit is the intro like the first 
the first sentence is the hardest bit. I, I always want... think of like um, The Simpsons. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember <laughs> me. That's what I want to go up and do every time. But <laughs> you should do it. You should do it. Um, regarding editing specifically, you know, a lot of people like to be able to edit, you know, as quickly as possible. But but you have a different approach to this, I think, don't you? Can you tell us more about that? Oh yeah, yeah. That that was in a nine dots group. I didn't know if I was going to offend people, but that was aimed at no one in particular. But no, of course. The caveat is, if you can edit really well, you can edit quickly. So there's nothing wrong with editing quickly if you're doing it to a, the level that you're happy with. The problem is when people try and reduce their editing speed when they're not, they haven't really nailed their edit anyway. Because right. you might edit quickly and you might be able to post, I did, a, I did a, a wedding in two, three hours. But if your white balance is, is off and your exposure is off and you haven't transformed a picture in the way that you could have, I think, I think you're doing yourself a disservice because you can completely transform what you think is a standard picture to make it look you know, exceptional if you just put the effort in and you you really think about what the final product of that picture can be. And if you do it on every photo, and I spend hours and hours editing now, but I demand that of myself because I'm at a high level and I want to get even higher. I have to have perfect white balance. I look back at some of my blog posts that are on the website at the moment. I'm thinking, ah, oh, that's off there. That's off there. That's off there. <laughs> so the, the new work I've got is even more consistent because I've been pushing myself. And does it, does it take you a lot longer to edit a wedding now or? Yes, but if you remember, if I'm sh I shot 12 weddings this year. Um, yes, yeah, so you have a lot more time. I have more time. So I put that effort in. And so I'm still probably editing less than most people who are shooting 30 weddings. Or right, maybe, e maybe equal, to be honest. Each wedding is just getting a lot more attention then, I guess. Yeah, and I'm very, very meticulous, like annually retentive, basically. So I'm, I don't just retouch people's spots if they've got them, but I... I balance everything in the frame i clean up walls windows floors i get rid of distractions and things okay and you must have noticed a, a noticeable better end product because of this it's just really clean and elegant professional and consistent and that's exactly what i want for my brand yeah if you I, I nearly made a whole gallery available to every single person to see recently because i want to show that you can go through a set of 700 pictures and it's just so damn consistent that's my goal now is to look through the whole gallery and just think every single picture could stand by itself. Like, you know, like if you've got a blog post and you post it on like Facebook, it would sometimes pitch a random, pick a random picture as a thumbnail. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And if it was one you didn't like, you'd be like, ah, that's irritating. I'm going to change that. I kind of want to, and obviously I don't achieve this because some are better than the others, but I want every, any single picture to be able to be picked from a whole wedding and I'll be happy with it being online. That's, that's a good, that's a great goal, isn't it? That is a good goal. Yeah. I mean, I'm not there yet because you can't possibly have every picture that level. I'm nowhere near it, but that's the goal I'm going for. So it means I just put a lot of effort into every single picture. So you've won all these awards. You're a great wedding photographer, obviously. Um, spoke at all these conferences, like a master of the mind as well, a musician. Is there, is there anything that Ross Harvey is like, just sucks at? Is like, is this really bad at? Well, I can't actually play a musical instrument. I pretty much <laughs> suck at all of them. Um, thankfully, because I've got a keyboard in front of me, I can just... I've got a good ear so I can tap things like a monkey until it sounds good. And I'm like, oh, that's good. But I'm <laughs> terrible at geography. I'm terrible at um, history. <laughs> like, I think my IQ drops to about that of a dead goldfish, if you ask me about geography or history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And what do you, I, just, I think, just time for a, a last question here. What do you find the most challenging aspect of, of being a wedding photographer to be? Well, that's a tough question. Yeah, I thought I'd just throw it. <laughs> a yes. difficult one. Yeah. Cheers, Alan. <laughs> <laughs>
let's go on a podcast real so it's a bit easy, nice easy chat um right the most challenging bit of being a wedding photographer yeah i think it's self-belief actually it's definitely self-belief and that is linked to social media and it's linked to everything it's managing to stay creative and happy confident with yourself happy with your work and on a path that suits you and not the industry i think that's the most challenging thing because social media has taken over people's lives and it can take over your direction and happiness if you're not careful so that has to be managed so yeah self-belief and self-worth and understanding that just do your own thing don't get distracted that's cool man great advice man ross thank you that was thanks so much for your time man that was that was so interesting that was that was really great thank you my pleasure man thanks for the invite um and I'll, i will put for people who are listening on the website i'll put a link to your site and um and i definitely recommend if, if ross you're going to do more workshops if you are but people get on it is one of the best workshops i've ever been on and thank it's you. just so great meeting you as well such a lovely guy so yeah thanks again man oh cheers but i look forward to seeing you soon yes yes and we're going to try and regain the nine dots table tennis uh championship if that happens again randomly, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the second episode of our This Is Reportage podcast. We've launched with three episodes, so you can check out episode one and episode three right now for interviews with Adam Johnson and Sitlali Rico, respectively. If you enjoyed it today, you may like to subscribe to our show on iTunes to be notified when each new weekly episode is ready bringing you advice, tips, and backstories from some of the world's best photographers each week. You can also head to thisisreportage.com to find a full transcription of this episode. And if you're not already a member of This Is Reportage, check out all the benefits of joining us. We're all about promoting the very best in documentary wedding photography, and members receive lots of benefits, including 60 reportage award entries and 18 story award entries per year, an unlimited number of images shown on your profile, exclusive discounts of wedding photography related products, invites to our physical meetups and parties and much more. No poses, nothing staged. This is Repertage. And this is bye for now. Mm-hmm.